This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and listen to it on community and independent radio stations nationwide. It has been weeks since residents of the majority black and brown town of Jackson, Mississippi, were without clean drinking water. After major flooding compromised a water treatment plant, the city was left without proper access to water. Now, although faucets have begun flowing, it's still not safe to consume the water. Worse, it's not clear when the crisis will be resolved. We turn now to Lorena Quiroz. She's the founder of the Mississippi-based Immigrant Alliance for Justice and Equity, an organization whose purpose is to amplify the voices of marginalized multiracial and immigrant communities by active participation in civic engagement. Welcome to the program, Lorena. Thank you, Sonali. Thank you for having me. Give us a sense of what it's like to have been in a place now where there are people, there are, I imagine, your colleagues that are, you know, living in a condition that's similar to a low-income nation. Um, you know, it's a, it's a question that that I that I get often, um, especially from colleagues and friends and family members that you know live in the north or in other cities. Um, this is not something that uh, has been going on for for days uh, or weeks. Um, we have been in action for the last two years uh, as an organization, but uh, it's a it's a matter of decades of disinvestment in this mostly black and now Brown community, which is Jackson, Mississippi. Um, for the last two years, beginning with the, you know, uh, with the crisis that many heard about nationally in Texas, when Texas has no water, where Mississippi and Jackson had no water as well, we were without water for six, seven weeks at the time. And so as an organization and as, as a part of a, of a, a coalition that um, rose out of that, we have been distributing water um, for the community members. And of course, the ones that are mostly affected are black and brown communities. Um, and brown communities uh, are often uh, forgotten. Um, our language barriers prevent uh, the information from reaching uh, the most vulnerable populations. And that is undocumented indigenous folks, because not all brown people speak Spanish, right? As as you know, there's so many other languages uh, that constitute, uh, you know, being immigrant. And so um, it, it has been uh, the last six weeks um, with the uh, boil water notices, getting that information out to people has been essential, uh, mobilizing communities uh, so they can know and they understand why uh, people need to know that this is decades in the making. Um, and then just down to the very basics, you know, uh, not to drink water, don't brush your teeth with the water, and how difficult it is to manage these situations when you have toddlers, when you have infants that do not understand why they're being kept away from the from the water source. So it's been, um, you know, hectic to say the least, uh, but it's also painful to see how government um, is not doing what they should, how the state government is neglecting its uh, its most vulnerable populations. And let's talk about that a little bit more. One of the uh, issues that um, I understand is simply that when Jackson transitioned into being a majority, from a majority white city to a majority black and now black and brown city, 
you, you lost revenues, you lost tax revenues, there was disinvestment. And so how clearly do you see race playing a role in what you point out as decades of disinvestment, not just a few weeks or months? And uh, um, so recently I, I was at a meeting of a coalition um, and one of the uh, elders spoke about what happened during integration and how you had um, the you had white or wealthy families, the what we call white flight, move on into suburbs. Um, you know, as uh, black children uh, started um, taking part in the public school system, and so if you step back and you start looking at at history and you see how you know from that from those years from those from that movement. Um, we have had neglect. Um, it's uh, it's very clear. It's very clear where you see where the uh, investment in the city stop. Um, our infrastructure has not had any major investment. The monies that are claimed uh, to being given to Jackson uh, are not are not coming to Jackson. Um, there's also uh, there's also private conversations where we have asked to give up our airport in order to um to receive this this funding this vital funding uh water is life water is dignity so it is very clear that is this, this is a racial issue for you to request for the airport that belongs in the capital city to be moved out of the county uh so that um you know so the prestige and and all of that that comes along with it can can be in your county which is now a majority white county and and use that as 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 a means to to leverage power and prevent us from getting funding uh and that i mean articles have been written about it now that we're getting national attention it's the time to to put all that you know forward and to really hold accountable the folks that have been preventing us from getting this um these monies um there's red tape with legislation there's red tape in, in, in just about um, all the policies that are created when it comes specifically to Jackson and the way that we receive money. Does the Republican-led state government, um, you know, is it responsible for not enough funding coming in for a city that is a Democrat-run city? I mean, we saw this sort of mean-spiritedness from one party flourish under the presidency of the of the previous president. Uh, and it seems as though the GOP as a whole has, in general, used such an approach, you know, politicking or using, uh, uh, refusing federal funding to score political points. Is Jackson a victim of that too? Definitely. Um, just a couple of days ago, uh, we saw, and it, it, it might have caught national attention that the governor did not uh, in, invite our mayor uh, to a closed door meeting uh, to to some of these conferences that he's holding. The mayor just showed up. And that is just um, a direct or just a, a slap in the face to leadership in our city to not be invited to partake in decision making meetings that affect you know, uh, the constituency of, of the mayor of Jackson. Uh, so what you mentioned there, that mean-spiritedness, you know, it is so difficult to comprehend 
um, the the way that that our people are being treated, and it's not as if he doesn't understand because the mayor, I mean, the governor, had um, a vehicle uh, or containing water. I believe it was an eighteen wheeler parked outside of his home so that his family can have access wow. to clean water. This is Governor and Kate Reeves so this and is, the mayor, this, we should right. spell out, the mayor of uh, Jackson, Mississippi is a very progressive black mayor, Chokwe Antar Lumumba. Um, so those dynamics themselves are representative and symbolic right. of, of the broader state versus city dynamic. That's right. And, and, you know, he has called himself a radical mayor, a radical city. Um, as an immigrant, uh, I feel uh, protected in this city um, because uh, he partnered with us three years ago during the raids when the massive raids hit uh, Mississippi. You know, uh, we put out a statement uh, of he was the only mayor who was a who put out a statement condemning what was happening in his state. And so um, the fact that he has done that um, and and stood, you know, by the side of brown folks and his constituency, it's it's a clear sign of why he's being left out of these conversations. Um, so it's it's time that the people rise up and demand. Um, and I think that for us, it's like just a pure organizing strategy that that needs to happen in the next you know weeks and months and demand action from folks in power. And I think that's going to come from community because if you are looking at the pictures or are the, the small clips that are going forth, it is community that's taking care of community. It's a community-based organizations. It's the community volunteers that are here handing out water that are letting us know where the elderly are that may not be able to have, you know, come outside and, 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 and do that drive by picking up from 46 we're bringing water to community we're bringing water to to folks that you know that have infants to newborns so it's community that's going to take care of community there was also news around a 90 million dollar contract that the city of jackson had um, years ago with a German corporation, Siemens Corporation, and ended up basically, you know, losing most of that money because the company didn't do what it was supposed to do. It's a whole background story around that, uh, where there was some good investigative journalism done, and uh, ultimately a settlement where the city was paid back $90 million, only, you know, part of which actually went back into the city, and now the residents of Jackson are left paying back this bond that the that they had to take out to pay for uh the Siemens contract and they'll be paying millions of dollars a year for many many years meanwhile the water system remains uh deeply deeply flawed so do you see what's happened in Jackson not just as the result of political uh disinvestment but also corporate predatory behavior uh correct correct um and that was about Five years ago, we were having the same conversations uh, where folks were um, either not receiving water bills or ending up with bills that went up in their thousands, thousands and having their water disconnected. And of course, it affected our most vulnerable. And and that's that's exactly what's going on. Um, and, and Siemens was paid to install water meters that didn't that's work. Right. That did not work. Mm. That did not work. Wow. 
So, so, so we have a situation right now where a city, a major city, a major city of minority populations does not have access to adequate, clean water. Water is flowing, but the mayor said it's still not safe to drink. The EPA is investigating it. What's next? They, I, I, I mean, the, can the residents of Jackson live on bottled water until the entire infrastructure is rebuilt? I understand that the mayor says the water system needs a $1 billion rebuilding, but that'll take a long time. Um, and that's a, that's a best case scenario, mm. right? That's the best case that we receive this billion dollars to rebuild. So you can only imagine the work that we have to do to be able to take care. Um, and again, that's if we get this funding. Um, if you drive down our streets, uh, you, the infrastructure is, is, is crumbling. There's areas where you, you can't drive, the potholes are abundant. So and that's, I think that the work that's gonna be uh, even begun um, if we get this money trickle, trickling down to us, because I think that's what's going to happen, it's going to be years in the making. And that's, again, best case scenario. So during that time is is what we need to be building um, community-based infrastructure to protect our people um, as we work through these things, because the water system is not something that's going to be fixed overnight. It, it just it It just can't. It just it's so not this is going to be another Flint, Michigan. It is. It is. And even if, you know, we get this filter, the filtering system working, that the money needs to be invested in, in the infrastructure. And then we have climate change. Um, we're going to be seeing just some uh, temperatures that have not reached as happened two years ago when entire areas of the city um, froze up and we had no water. And we, we're going to see that happening, you know, with different water pressures and, and even new systems, it's going to cause our system to fail. And so we can only brace ourselves um, to be able to uh, handle these emergencies, but also applying pressure to government to invest in us, invest in Black people, invest in Brown people. I mean, it just is mind boggling that here we have a country that has, you know, billions of dollars that are given away in tax breaks to corporations each year, that we spend billions of dollars on military hardware without a second thought. And why is this not being considered a massive emergency? You know, it just is, is mind blowing that in the world's second now, second richest nation, that there is a city that does not have access to water. And um, <laughs> it, it, it's everyone has that same that same observation. You know, yeah. um, recently we've had a caravan of of uh, immigrants move into Jackson um, from Guatemala. And that's one of the statements that you heard, you know, climate change uh capitalism in their in their countries is forcing this upwards migration and then they come to seek a better life and here they are finding themselves with no access to clean water wow. so you can like you know it, it baffles the mind of folks that have been living here for years as well as new immigrants and this is why it's so important to understand and to share the narrative that it's a result of systemic racism, of disinvestment, um, 
because that's the only way if the community organizes to hold these powerful folks accountable that we're going to be able to um have access to this money that is that that it's supposed to be ready readily available tell me a little bit about briefly your organization and where people can find out more website for it our organization is the immigrant alliance for justice and equity uh we are a woman and a queer-led organization um we are actually in the heart of mississippi we're in jackson mississippi we just purchased a building so that we can be able to answer to some of these emergencies um our organization is uh, three years old we're also part of the coalition but we are raising uh funds uh, through our act blue account we are we have a website iaje of mississippi facebook instagram and we have been um just thinking about how we can build an infrastructure within community to be able to answer to some of some of these emergencies so we are very grateful for this time and also just the 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 fact that as immigrants as brown folks we love mississippi mississippi has a lot of beautiful things that are similar to our countries of origin mm -hmm. and we want to make mississippi our home and so uh you know just thinking about how we can help um make jackson the place that it that it should be you know and bring dignity to our people is something that's essential to us as an organization Thank you again, Lorena. Good luck to you. Appreciate your time. Thank you so much, Sanani. My guest has been Lorena Quiroz, founder of the Mississippi, Jackson, Mississippi-based Immigrant Alliance for Justice and Equity, an organization whose purpose is to amplify the voices of marginalized, multiracial, and immigrant communities by active participation and civic engagement. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com, by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify, and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at RU with Sonali.